Jason Ellsmore and I'm the director of the Queensland Baptist Movement and it's my great privilege today to open the Word of God and share with you today and I want to say a big thank you for joining together with churches all over our state as we pray together for revival in Queensland for 21 days. Thanks for praying and thanks for joining us today. You know, we're living in a really significant time in global history. We're all dealing with a pandemic. We're working out how this vaccine is going to roll out. There's political tension around our world. We're working out how to deal with racial injustice uh, at home and in other nations of the world. And I believe that the impact of these last two years is actually going to flow on for decades to come in our world. And this is a really important season for the church in Australia because I believe how we respond in this season will have an impact on the church in this nation for generations to come. And there's so many important things that we should do in following Jesus in this season. But I don't think there's anything more important that we can do than to pray. I think the most important thing that we can do in this season is to pray. And when Jesus' first followers saw the way that Jesus prayed, they saw the intimacy that he had with his Father, and they saw the power and authority that he had when he prayed, and powerful things happened. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray in the same way that John taught his disciples to pray. We want to pray like you. And Jesus taught them many things about prayer, but he taught them what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, uh, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, Jesus teaches them that the prayer is actually powerful. Now, prayer is a powerful weapon to fight for the reign of God in our region. When we pray, pray your kingdom come, your reign and your rule come here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we pray, it's a powerful weapon to fight for the reign of God in our region. We know that God reigns in all the earth, but we live in an age right right now where the kingdom of God is breaking into the broken and sinful kingdom in this world. And how we pray has an impact of the reign of God in our region. Yeah, Paul says in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He says our wrestle that we're in, the resistance that, that, that we face uh, in, in the church, it's, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But there's actually a spiritual battle going on. You know, we're, we're wrestling against, against powers of darkness. 
spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. You know, in, uh, in, in high school, I loved wrestling. I grew up in the 80s and it was the, the days of WWF wrestling. And a lot of people said it was fake, but I know it was real because they were wrestling for a world title with a real belt. And uh, I remember the best wrestler was Hulk Hogan. The biggest wrestler was Andre the Giant. And the baddest wrestler was George the Animal Steel. And as a boy in high school, we'd uh, watch this at night and then we'd go into the playground the next day and we'd copy all their moves. We'd put one another in a figure four leg lock or a flying suplex and we would resist one another. We would wrestle one another. We would try and pin one another down and stop the other from moving until they surrendered. I remember year 10 geography, our teacher didn't turn up and uh, we put all the tables around the edge of the room and we were jumping off the tables like a top rope and wrestling one another. And it was all fun and games until David put Grant's head through the blackboard. And let me tell you, there was flesh and there was blood. But Paul says that our wrestle is a different kind of wrestle. It's a wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. You see, I think it's important for us to understand in this season where there's more resistance against the church than I've ever known in my lifetime, more resistance against the authority of Scripture and the gospel uh, than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. You know, our wrestle is not against the person uh, with an opposite view to us. You know, our wrestle is not against a political party that sits on the other side of the fence to us, whatever side of the fence you happen to sit on. You know, our wrestle is not even against the atheist at work that has a completely different view to you and is against everything that you are for. You know, our wrestle is not even against the person on Facebook who puts up all of those annoying posts that disagrees with everything that you believe. You know, our wrestle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. But our our wrestle is actually against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. Let me just unpack that verse uh, a little bit today. Firstly, a principality is just two parts to that word. A pality is a region or it's a geographical area, a city. You know, any, any particular region is a pality. And a prince is a... It's a prince. And so what Paul is saying here is that, you know, there are principalities. There are in, in the heavenly realms. You know, we don't, we don't have principalities in Australia. We've got municipalities. Many people elect, you know, a government leader to have had to reign or to rule or to have power over a region. But Paul is, is saying here that, that, that our, our regions that, that we live in, you know, there, there's actually demonic forces at work in those regions. And you notice that all of the different descriptions Paul uses here are plural. You know, we, we know we've got an enemy. We know that, that Satan is out to steal and to kill and destroy. But the fuller picture of Scripture is that Satan has an army of fallen angels. There are, there are fallen angels that are demons that are against everything that the church is for. 
that are against the good news of Jesus Christ getting into people's hearts. And so there's a wrestle going on as, as we pray. And then lastly, we see that it's not permanent. It says rulers of darkness in this age. And maybe this year you started reading through the Bible. You'd love to read the whole Bible in one year. And maybe some of you have got a little bog down in Leviticus or, or Deuteronomy. Can, can I encourage you? You're not supposed to do this with other books. But with this book, you're allowed to skip to the end and read the end of the story. And what we see in the end of the story is that Jesus, who is on his throne right now, his throne is established on the earth and his kingdom is fully and finally consummated on the earth. And there will be a day when Satan and evil is banished forever and there's no more pain, there's no more sickness, there's no more death, there's no more suffering. It will be a really good day. But right now, We live in this age that Paul is talking about and there is a wrestle going on. There's a wrestle going on in the heavenly realms and we get a little picture of this in the book of Daniel. There's a wrestle going on for the reign of God in our region, just like there was in in Daniel's time when he's living in a very hostile, ungodly environment. There's a lot of resistance against the word of God. He's one of the few people that is still following and believing in the word of God. And as towards the end of his life, he he begins to pray and to cry out to God, you know, believing for a better day for his people, a better day, you know, for Israel. He wants to hear the word of God in this tough season that he's in. And so in Daniel 10, he decides to pray and to fast and to cry out to God in prayer for 21 days. In Daniel 10, he's been praying for 21 days when an angel arrives with a message for Daniel. And this is what it says. The angel says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince, remember principality, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. You see, in this story... You know, as soon as Daniel prayed, there was a response in the heavenly realms. You know, the words were heard as he prayed and an angel came in response. But it says the prince of Persia, you know, the prince, a fallen angel over this principality, over this region, actually resisted the angel bringing the word of God. There was a wrestle going on in the heavenly realms. They wrestled for 21 days until Michael, who's kind of like the Hulk Hogan of the heavenly realms, turned up and he beat the snot out of the Prince of Persia. And after 21 days of prayer, the angel appears to Daniel and gives him this great vision from God for the future. Now, I don't pretend to understand all of that story, 
But there are some important principles that I believe we can pick up and be encouraged by today. Firstly, when we pray, heaven hears and responds to our prayer. When you pray, heaven hears and responds to your prayer. When we pray, there are princes of darkness. There is principalities and powers in different regions that resist the reign of God, are trying to stop the spread of the word of God, the spread of the gospel into people's hearts. But this is the encouraging bit. When we pray in Jesus' name, you're not praying to a fallen angel. You're not praying to a created being. You are not praying to a prince of darkness. You're praying to the Prince of Peace. You're praying to the light of the world who came into the world and the darkness has not been able to overcome him. You're praying to to the one who gave up his life on the cross but was raised from the dead on the third day and he is seated in the heavenly realms. He is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. You're praying to the king. And when you pray, there will be resistance. But your prayer, our prayer together, is a powerful weapon to bring about the reign of God in your region. When you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayer impacts the reign of God in our region. And we see breakthrough. We see the kingdom of God break through into the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of this world. And so like Daniel, we're inviting churches all over our state, 220 churches around our state to pray together for 21 days for for God to break through in power in our region, for the word of God to spread and the gospel to take hold in people's hearts in our region. So I want to encourage you to be part of this 21 days of prayer for revival in Queensland from the 31st of May to the 20th of June. There are devotions for you to uh, to work through and to pray through for 21 days uh, through this season. There is life group material. You might want to get together with a small group and pray together. And there's some prayer meetings that you can be a part of. You can pray together with other churches in your region in the first week of June and on the 20th of June we're going to gather together on Zoom at 7 o'clock and pray together right across our state for revival in Queensland for the lost to come home for the word of God to spread and for the church to flourish and thrive I really want to thank you for being part of this and encourage you to be praying through these 21 days prayer is a powerful weapon to fight for the reign of God in our region and secondly prayer is a personal surrender to the will of God Jesus says when you pray pray may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, two of the biggest reasons that I hear that people struggle with prayer, and this has been true in my own life, and I just want to encourage you to be honest in your church today if this is true for you. You know, the biggest two reasons I hear people struggle with prayer is either I don't feel spiritual enough, I don't have the right words to say when I pray, or I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I didn't get what I asked for. Unanswered prayer. 
I wonder if one of those two things has actually been a blockage in your prayer life at some time in your journey. If it has, can I just get you just to be honest today and just raise your hand wherever you are and say, that's me. It's certainly been true for me at different times in my life. And that's why I'm so encouraged by that Jesus doesn't just give us some words to pray, but he actually models for us how to pray. I don't think we see Jesus' humanity any more clearly than when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's crying out to his Father in prayer because he knows what is coming. Just turn with me to Mark chapter 14. It says they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. You see, when Jesus prays, he uses no fancy words. It's very simple and it's very, very personal. He says, Abba, Father. Abba simply means dad or daddy. It's the way a a very young, dependent, but respectful child would speak to their father. Dad, daddy, it was very personal. It was very simple. And he actually teaches us that we can pray in exactly the same way. Abba, Father. And then he says, Father, take this cup from me. He says he's overwhelmed to the point of death. It must have been a bad cup. I got the privilege of traveling around to Queensland Baptist churches and ministries all over the state uh, these days. And I've got to be honest and say I've, I've drunk from a few bad cups. You see, I grew up. Uh, the only thing we were given to drink in our family was fruit cup cordial in a plastic cup. And I still get to go to churches and QCCC campsites all over our state. And I still get offered fruit cup cordial in a plastic cup. And there are times I'm standing there and I pray, oh, please, God, take this cup from me. Maybe uh, you're a coffee snob. Well, I tell you, I've had the privilege of uh, going to many churches where I've been offered a cup of international roast caterers blend in a styrofoam cup. And maybe you might pray with me, please, God, take this cup from me. Maybe you're not a coffee drinker, but you like a a spot of tea. I uh, was visiting one of our GIA missionaries in, uh, in Asia one time, and he said to me, the people are very hospitable, very kind. Just uh, take whatever they give you to eat and drink, but try and stay alive. And I remember the first place we went to, went into this little uh, hut in a shanty village and a very kind and hospitable man lowered down a, uh, a rusty old pot into a dirty creek behind him and he uh, picked it up and boiled it up into tea. He filled half the cup with tea, filled the other half with sweetened condensed milk and I do not have a sweet tooth. And he said, would you like sugar with it? And I remember just sipping it and going, please, God, would you take this cup from me? Maybe you're watching today and you're not a real Baptist. 
and somewhere at some some someone at some party has actually offered you a uh, cup of shabby shabli from a cask and you sniffed it and swirled it and you said oh god would you please take this cup from me the uh, the worst cup i've ever I uh, had to drink from was when I was visiting uh, one of our beautiful ethnic churches and there was a potluck dinner after uh, after I preached and I got handed a cup of durian soup. I'm not sure if you've ever smelt durian before, but in many Asian countries it's banned from public transport because it smells so bad. This smelt bad, it tasted bad, it looked bad, it looked like a mix between beetroot juice and curdled milk. And I just remember finding pot plants to kind of gradually tip it in, in the foyer. And every time my cup was half full, that was so hospitable and kind, they filled it back up and I'm just praying, please God, would you take this? cup from me you know Jesus cup wasn't actually a literal cup we sometimes picture it looking like this and it wasn't a cup like any of those cups I just described it really was a bad cup you see right throughout the Old Testament when people sinned against God God sent prophets to tell them that because of their sin, because of their rebellion and disobedience, they would drink the cup of God's wrath. They were going to be punished. They were going to face judgment for their sin. And as Jesus is in Gethsemane and he knows he's about to go to the cross and he knows on that cross he is going to drink the cup of God's wrath once and for all. He is going to drink the cup of God's wrath, not for his own sin, not because he's done anything wrong, but because you and I have. And because we've sinned against God and separated us from a personal and intimate relationship uh, with God and we deserve to drink that cup, Jesus was going to that cross and he's going to drink that cup on our behalf. He's going to drink it for us. And as the time is getting near, he, he gets down on his knees and he cries out to his father and he says, please, father, would you take this cup from me? He doesn't just pray it once, but he prays it three times. Please take this cup from me. And he prays for some time. He prays for a significant period of time as he cries out to God, take this cup from me. This is too much. And the father says no. Instead, in Luke's gospel, it says the father sent an angel to strengthen his son to endure the pain, to endure the cross. So he didn't get to escape the pain, but he received, as he prayed, he received the strength to endure the pain. And every single one of us should be eternally grateful that the Father said no to Jesus' actual request. And every single one of us should be thankful that Jesus persevered in prayer until he received the strength to endure the pain. Otherwise, we'd be drinking from this cup. We'd be taking the punishment and the judgment for our own sins and we'd be separated from an intimate and personal relationship with our Father in heaven forever. 
You know, before prayer is a wrestle in the heavenlies, prayer is actual, actually a wrestle in our hearts to surrender to the will of God. You know the last part of Jesus' prayer that he prays. He says, not my will, but yours be done. He surrenders to the will of his Father. And before prayer is ever a petition for pardon, for provision, for protection, and prayer is those things. Jesus goes on to tell us to pray like that. Before prayer is a petition for help, you know, prayer is a personal surrender to the will of God. And it's as we surrender to the will of God and as we surrender to, to Jesus as our King that we can actually come in to a place of personal intimacy in prayer with the Father. You know, I really uh, want to encourage you to walk through these devotions through these 21 days of prayer. They're going to help us and lead us to actually surrender our will to the Father because revival happens first in the church. It begins in the church as the church surrenders to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the church becomes, you know, like a dependent child, you know, talking in intimacy to a father and complete dependence on the, on the father and in completely respectful, ready to obey everything that the father says. You see, that's when revival happens. When the church actually gets on our knees, damp, dependent and desperate in prayer and surrenders to the Lordship of Christ. Prayer is a powerful weapon to fight for the reign of God in our region. And prayer is a personal surrender to the will of God. And I pray during these 21 days that that would be happening for you. You would be surrendering to the will of God and you'd be growing in a new intimacy with God, a new dependence on God in prayer. And lastly, prayer is the church's protection against the enemy of God. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is both uh, personal and corporate. When Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus says to Peter, wake up. Couldn't you pray with me for one hour? I really feel for the disciples in this scenario. I love sleeping. You know, I can fall asleep anywhere and it takes a lot to wake me up. It takes a lot to wake me up in the morning. This is what my alarm on my phone looks like uh, every morning. I go to bed thinking it'll be great to wake up early in the morning to, uh, to do some exercise. But when it goes off at 4.30 in the morning, I quickly press snooze because I do not want to get up. I sleep for 10 more minutes. It goes off again at 4.40. And once again, I just press snooze and I fall straight back asleep. But my wife, not so much. By 4.50, when I press snooze again, she's starting to kick me out of bed. At five o'clock, when I press snooze once more, she says, if you are going to set five alarms to wake up in the morning, you can go and sleep in the other room. So when it goes off at 5.15, I actually wake up and get out of bed because I don't want to sleep in the other room. But I wonder if there's been an alarm clock going off in our nation to wake the church up from a spiritual slumber 
for some time and we keep pressing snooze. I wonder if our alarm clock in this nation looks a little like this, that for many years has been declining attendance in the church in Australia and it's actually been an alarm where Jesus is waking up his church from a spiritual slumber. Because our brothers and sisters, our, our uh, grandkids, our friends are heading to a Christless eternity. You know, maybe our growing secularism in our nation is an alarm that's been going off and we keep pressing snooze. Family breakdown in our nation all around us is an alarm that's been going off to wake us up to pray and we keep pressing snooze. You know, I wonder if our moral relativism, you know, what we once thought was evil has just become normal and natural in our community. It's actually an alarm that's supposed to wake us up to pray and we keep pressing snooze and now we're going through a global pandemic and I'm not saying God has caused it, but I wonder if God is using it to wake up his church to pray. You know, Jesus sounds an alarm. He says, watch and pray that you will, uh, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and, and Jesus asks a question, could you not pray with me for one hour? And I want to challenge us as a church in Queensland in this time to set an alarm every day to wake up and to pray for one hour. What if right across our state we all committed to pray for one hour a day for 21 days? What might we see God do? You know, the devil wants nothing good for the people in this state. He wants to steal and to kill and to destroy and we're seeing it happening all around us. But God is good. As we cry out to our good God who invites us into a personal, intimate and eternal relationship with him, as the gospel gets into people's hearts, it trans- transforms us and gives, gives hope for the future. And our nation needs hope in this season. What might happen if the church right across Queensland, your church, actually said we're going to commit to pray for one hour for God's kingdom to come in our region, to see the lost saved, to see relationships restored and hope renewed in people's hearts for 21 days. I believe we might see the beginnings of revival in Queensland. You know, we've got nothing to be afraid of in this season. I believe what God is saying to us is stay awake, but not afraid. Let's not let everything that's going on around us create fear in our hearts. Let's not let fear grip our hearts, but let the power of prayer grip our hearts. You know, I wonder if uh, right now, there's a prayer that God is writing on your heart. And, and today you actually need to discipline yourself to write down that prayer. It might be a prayer for your family. It might be a prayer for your church, for your region. It might be a prayer for your neighbor to, uh, to, to accept the gospel and to, to find salvation in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to write down that big prayer, whatever that prayer is, and pray it faithfully and fervently for these next 21 days. And let's see what God does right across our state. Let me pray for you right now. 
now. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who hears every prayer that we pray. God, I thank you that uh, there is a wrestle going on right across our nation, uh, in our regions, in our churches right now. But, But Jesus, you have the victory. Jesus, when we cry out to you in prayer, you hear our voice and, and your kingdom breaks into this broken world that we live in. And God, right now, I pray that you would give us faith in our hearts as we pray. That prayer that you're writing on our heart, God, we would write it down and we would pray it faithfully over these next 21 days. God, I pray that right across our state, you would awaken the church to the power of prayer. We would not be a people who live in fear, but we would be a people who who know the power of prayer in our hearts. God, we pray today, I pray a blessing on every church in Queensland today. And I pray that you would uh, give us faith as we cry out to you in prayer together. May we see miracles happen. May we see the lost found. May we see the word of God spread throughout our region and the gospel accepted in people's hearts. I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Love to hear your answers to prayer.